Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls recap of the decade. Um, it's been a mixed decade from uh, 2010 until almost 2020 now. We've had 452 matches, 162 wins, but we've also had 167 losses. And that is the kind of decade it has felt like, really, isn't it? A bit more on the crap side than the good side. Picked up 1.3.5, 1.35 points per game. And we've had multiple managers, seven managers, eight if you include McDermott twice. And I don't think he's two different people. We've had four uh, owners of the club. Remember, SJM was still here, Anton Zingarevich. We've had the ties and now we've got the Chinese here as well. We played 57 different teams. The team that we loved to play during this decade was Ipswich, when we picked up uh, 10 wins out of 17 matches. And, well, the only managers out of all of those two that have got a positive goal difference are McDermott with a plus 32 and Bowen at the moment with a plus five. And I know some of you will be listening to this thinking, I'm not sure that's going to last, but that is how it is as we stand. And I know there is a couple of games still to go because we are recording uh, this before the game on Saturday on the 22nd of December. So for those statisticians out there that aren't completely 100% happy that it's the whole decade, tough. That's the way it's going to go. We are also going to look at the best moments, the worst signings and the best match. So I've been joined by Alex Everson. Hi, Alex. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, well, it's kind of ups and downs in this season, long isn't decade. it? Yeah, it's a long decade. There has been good, some good things, though, because we won the championship as well in this season, this decade. So it's not all bad, is it? No? no yeah, I guess. I guess. It, it feels like a long time ago, though. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a long time ago when you're going along and you're watching uh, nil-nil draws against Stoke City and trying to find a positive out of it. I've also been joined by Eric Argard. Hello, Eric. Hello. I'm I'm more of a glass half full. I just try and remember the good times from a long time ago. But we we've had some good times, you know, the FA Cup uh FA Cup run, got to the semi final, championship win, the the one wondrous season under Yapstam where we thought we were Barcelona. You know. Um and then yeah, it's been some crap after that, but let's not dwell on that too much. The thing is, the playoff final, does that count in the positive kind of column or is that a negative because the experience of losing is so bad but the achievement of reaching a playoff final is pretty amazing Alex isn't it really well we did it twice this decade of course yes. so the positive of course has to be that the season was really good for both of them but the day was not great for either of them uh, yeah I think it would, it would go down as a positive to have got there I think and a negative day out on both fronts. The Huddersfield one, less of a negative, I guess. Just uh, for me, at least, it didn't really. It it wasn't quite as bad as the Swansea game. I I, I don't know about you guys, but the the Huddersfield game was such an anticlimax that it just didn't really. I don't know. It it registered on the on the, the pain scale, but it wasn't anywhere near what Swansea was. I don't know. For me, the Swansea game was, yeah, that was horrific because we were 3 0 down at half time. But the Huddersfield one, we were two kicks away from the Premier League. Two kicks away. And if 
Liam Moore scores that penalty, and I know Jordan Mita missed miss one as well, but oh, just painful. How, how do you rank those in the seasons yeah. we've had in this decade, Eric? No. Yeah, I think the Huddersfield game was was crap, wasn't it? Um, but, That's an uh, understatement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's been one of the worst matches we've ever seen, the Huddersfield match. Yeah, there was, it was just nothing it was happened. Just a, a dull, dreadful one. But what I will take is the, the, the playoff run in both of those seasons were just amazing. The Cardiff away and then the Fulham away. Both games were, yeah, super high up in my list of favourite all-time games, in fact. So, yeah, enjoyed both of those. And, yeah, we had some, some good good in amongst the bad. But, yeah, the, the two kicks away is, is definitely painful when you when you put it like that. Um, we didn't deserve to win the game in normal times, so we would have fluked it on penalties, but you could equally make that argument for Huddersfield too. So, yeah. Yeah, so it was that, that was uh, just that in the 20s, can we win a plenty, a playoff final? That would be amazing if we could actually win one because just to be, I mean, I won't be there because I'm not going to another playoff final. I just cannot <laughs> face that journey home <laughs> afterwards. It's too much. It's too much. And if it happens, either of you, just stop me. Lock me in my own house. Do not let me go. Because I will let's not just, enjoy uh, it. <laughs> let's just win the automatic promotion and save us the pain. <laughs> yeah, that we've be already good. We've already tried every which way now to win a playoff final. Coming from behind, going ahead, winning on penalties. None of them seem to work. So maybe we should just, you know, give it up. And like Eric said, just win automatic promotion. It's probably just easier, right? Yeah. Win the championship like we did under Brian McDermott, which has got to be the peak of the, uh, oh God, that horrible word, the teenies, as they like to call it. I just, yeah, nothing really tops that achievement throughout the season. But we are going to come on to the best moments now of this decade. Now, there's a few contenders. Admittedly, most of them are much earlier in the decade. But Alex, what is your best moment of this decade? Uh, for me, the best moment of the decade is Adam LaFondra scoring the third goal against Southampton. Oh. Uh, it was just incredible. The day out was good. The game was great. We were on a, such a good run of form. And uh, LaFondra to come off the bench and just basically cement us into that top position in the championship after what was a run of, I don't know how many games it was, but it was pretty much from straight after Christmas, after Jason Roberts signed. And I, I think we must have gone on a run of 10, 12 games uh, winning, pretty much. I think we had one wasn't loss it, in that against Peter. Wasn't it fif- yeah, wasn't it 15 out of 17 or something like that? Something like that. I think it was just something even crazier, 17 out of 19. It was mad. It was absolutely it was, I, I remember it was a lot of wins back to back to back uh, and a lot of clean sheets as well. And mm. then... Yeah, the, the, just the the moment that he actually rounds the keeper. I must have rewatched that moment on YouTube a hundred times easily. Um, yeah. And also, look at the Southampton side. That was a bloody good team with some really good players. Yeah, yeah. Woods, like the Lallana yeah, and yeah, Lambert really there, Southampton side. Yeah. Loads of those players are still playing in the Premier League. Mm. Yeah. No, but what a day that was as well, Southampton away. That was one of the best away days possible, just to be there. And I was right down the front for that one. Ridiculous. I don't know why I was right down there. But I was down there and just I just knew going to the game that we were going to win. Now, that is not an emotion I have and I haven't had for a long time at Reading. But 
just thinking is we can't lose this match. We're just going to go in there and win. And even when we conceded, it didn't matter. I think the the other thing about that Southampton game was that it, it was topped off by the fact that, what was it, three, I think it was three weeks earlier, two weeks earlier, two weeks earlier we'd beaten West Ham as well at their place and we'd gone away and beaten both first and second in the table and it wasn't just like a a 1-0, you know, backs to the wall kind of performance. It was a proper go out, blow the doors off both teams and win comprehensively against the the two promotion contenders, and after we after we beat Southampton, it, it it felt like that this league is like it's done, it's ours. We've we've pretty much won it. Yeah, if you watched back the video after that goal, the third goal that we scored from Adam Lafondre, and you see as they would call now bounce scenes limbs ticked all those boxes, the reaction of the Reading fans was just crazy, and just walking through Southampton afterwards. That was the best, um, definitely one of the best. It has to be. So what was uh, your moment, best moment of the decade, Eric? Well, I think mine was possibly the promotion, uh, the promotion moment. So Ledgerwood's goal um, at home against Nottingham Forest and the following pitch invasion. But I think leading up to the goal, we could hear news from other grounds that, a win would be enough to, to seal the deal. And because we kick off later, we kick off at eight. So we were we were hearing songs in the East stand of one goal and we're going up, which is quite unique. Uh, and we got the goal. And the, yeah, similar to the Southampton away, it was limbs. It was uh, utter elation. And yeah, obviously then the, the, the pitch invasion, I think less important, but it was more that moment where we scored the goal and thinking, actually, we're going to do this. Um, which has followed the, the previous moment, right? So beating Southampton, going top of the league, and then finally sealing it with, with that 1-0 win against Forest. Um, I, I have a, a bit of a weird one because I actually, when I ran on the pitch, uh, went up to Chris Gunter, who played for Nottingham Forest at the time, and said, good luck for next season, and then we signed him, which is really strange. <laughs> You're the one who made that happen, Eric. You no, made I don't think so. for Reading Football Club. <laughs> yeah, I also I also went up to George Elakobi, but looked at the size of him and thought, actually, I better not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you go home in like bits. You don't really need that, do you? No. No, no that was, was amazing, uh, that one more goal chunk, because I think uh, West Ham are playing at Bristol City. And their result was in game for them. And yeah, hearing that coming through. And then from the free kick, as that chant was being uh, done, then later would scoring. And then in the last minute, I think Alex Pierce cleared off the line, which would have kind of like, kind of cancelled everything down. I think we've still gone up and everything, so it would have been fine. But it's kind of just an amazing atmosphere in the stadium. And they had the um, Big Bad Wolf before the game as well, ringing around the stadium. With those clappers, I'm not a fan of those clappers, but maybe it worked on that time. But just the team spirit of that team, there wasn't really great individuals, but Jason Roberts was the person who changed it all around. But my best moment of the decade, for me, has to be Gareth McCleary scoring that goal at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal. Just that moment when we had the little glimmer of hope that we could make an FA Cup final and also went into that game thinking we were going to get hammered and just five or six nil. And just the look, the silence from the Arsenal fans was just beautiful. 
it's got to be uh it's got to be noted for people who haven't necessarily been to that game this is when arsenal was still actually quite good yeah. <laughs> and not just a mid-table premier league team like they are at the minute um that game yeah. was yeah, that game was something else that was uh for, what was it 40,000 reading fans like in the in, in the end at wembley and the the the, the celebrations after that goal were, were just fantastic because, yeah. it, as you say, it did give that little bit of hope that actually maybe we could do it. Mm. And that whole game really was, uh, it was, a it, you always felt like actually we, we might have a chance here. And there was moments in that game where definitely we could have gone on to win it for sure. And when, when McCleary actually did manage to get that equaliser, there was a, you could really, yeah, you could feel the, you could feel the tension coming from the Arsenal end, definitely. Yeah, and it was one yeah. of those painful goals, wasn't it? Where it slowly sort of bounced over the line and you couldn't quite see if it was in. Um, and so the celebrations kind of went in waves, depending on when people had seen the ball go in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, ju- I just remember being sort of celebrating like crazy. And, and it was one of those celebrations when afterwards I just felt really lightheaded. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I just felt completely lightheaded, like I was going to pass out. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was just draining. It just because none of us expected it, and that sheer happiness from just everyone is like, no, we actually are not going to humiliate ourselves in front of the world here. We've actually come out. Okay, we can talk about the incident that happened afterwards. I think we should avoid it because we do know that Adam Federici uh, didn't have his finest moment. But oh, there was a moment when Pavel Pogrebniak was kind of, I wouldn't say threw on goal because he was like a donkey on wheels. That All he had to but... do was let it off, though, wouldn't he? Let's be honest, and we would have been in the <laughs> Yeah, Just <laughs> pass the ball, but no. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, the, the, there's one other moment, actually, from that game which really stands out to me, which is right at the very end, after we're 2-1 down in extra time, and there's probably still, I don't know, 37, 38,000 Reading fans in, the, in that end. And everybody to a man was stood up singing Reading Till I Die for a good part of four or five minutes and it was so loud and it that was one of the few times that a chant was really like kind of hit me hit me inside I would say that was that was really quite quite special it was and now we've got an average attendance of 14,000 but it's good to hear that all of the uh, all of the people who made it that day have you know Kept kept Stuck it there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame. I, I we were we were talking about the best moments of the decade, so let's not talk about attendances <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to put it in. It's relevant to that point. Red until I die, yeah. oh, oh, maybe not. <laughs> but the Red until I die, all until they're not at Wembley. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It has to be a good day out at least, and when the weather's okay. But the best match is. I mean, there's some obvious contenders. We've obviously got Southampton. We got West Ham. I kind of like there's also Cardiff away. I'm going to throw in some other ones as well when it comes to me. What is your favourite one, Eric, for the best match of the decade? There's there's lots, I think, but just for just for for sort of just a complete match and a bit of a surprise. I think the Cardiff away one, um, which I which I went to, and we I think we drew nil nil at home, didn't we before that? Um, yes, yeah, we drew nil nil on the Friday night at home. Yeah, and Cardiff were were, were sort of favourites to go up, especially after that nil nil result. And we sort of went to Cardiff 
a little bit hopeful, but not really expecting to to turn them over quite as convincingly as we did. And you could see things in the game where it went our way. You know, Long's goal at the start, it sort of bounced the right way, didn't it? And it was it was a good finish in the end. He reacted really quickly, but it was a bit that of was a one of the slowest lobs ever. By the way, Eric, <laughs> yeah. it took ten the seconds. The amount of time the ball was in the air was just ridiculous. It was so I slow. S- I swear it bounced off the moon. <laughs> when I'm so high, <laughs> it just kind of like up there forever. It was just a, a complete comedy of errors because I think their keeper kicked it into their defender, didn't he, or, or kicked into Long, and then he just reacted and, and lobbed the keeper, and then all the way through to kind of. Um, Joby McEnough's goal at the end which was a phenomenal goal he sort of ran straight through the middle turned a defender inside out slotted it in the bottom corner and came over to us in the corner and celebrated so in terms of a complete game I said, as soon as we went 1-0 up we actually looked pretty comfortable uh, and then to top it off at the end and I think there were chance of shoes off if you're 3-0 up and lots of Reading fans with their shoes off which was also something you don't see very often. But as a, as a game, it was just an amazing game. And then what it meant was, you know, we're through to play our final. Um, first time in a long time, since 95 or whatever. And yeah, it was just a great day out. And um, one of my favourite moments was uh, a friend of mine who should remain nameless after the game, going up to one of the Cardiff stewards and saying, excuse me, mate, could you give me directions to Wembley, please? <laughs> <laughs> And the Cardiff oh. steward not responding in the most polite of manners, but it was absolutely hilarious. Um, so yeah, great day out and great game. Yeah, well, it's just uh, amazing, wasn't it, to get that result? I mean, I uh, took along my girlfriend to the first game nil nil, and she was not impressed. <laughs> not impressed <laughs> at all. I think that scarred her. She never wants to go to a Reading match again after that, and I can't really blame her. But Alex, who, which game was your favourite one? Uh, my favourite is West Ham away, four two at uh, at Upton Park, and that game was just something else. There was three thousand Reading fans in the away end, sold out. Everybody stood up. I think I was in the second or third row from the front. We went one nil down fairly early on, if I remember correctly, and then um, and then we scored. What was it? Two goals in about. 90 seconds before half-time. I think it was. We yeah. scored the goal from the corner. And then um, and then we had the yeah. goal, which was played off of the back heel of... Was it the back heel of Hunt? And then into Ledger Woods Path, I think it was. Yeah. Maybe that was the third goal. That was the, that was the last goal. That was the last I goal, think, wasn't it? The, the fourth goal. But it was no Hunt's um, goal. It was a layoff, and he hit it into the bottom corner after Gork's header. The second, this, the second goal, though, which was just before half-time, pretty much meant that we were ahead going into half-time. And the, this, the noise in the concourse was just completely different to anything I've seen before as well at yeah. half-time. Usually at uh, half-time in, in a Reading game, you can go into the concourse and it's pretty silent. You do not really experience chanting. It's, it's not, we're just not really that kind of club normally. But that West Ham game, it was like being... It was like being at a pub before a playoff final in the in the uh, concourse. Then um, that was yeah. that was really something quite special. And then in the second half, obviously West Ham got the um, West Ham got their goal as well in the second half in front of our end. And I can remember Kevin Nolan was he, we. You can still see it on the video. In fact, if you watch the highlights again, Kevin Nolan comes into the goal mouth after they scored. 
and he's given us the given us the uh, the fingers after he's after he's got his goal. He was uh, shaking the net, wasn't he? After Vazte scores his header, and um, and of course Reading obviously end up having the last laugh after Ian Hart gets the uh, gets the penalty, and and we go three two again. And I can remember him he, because we were so you're so packed in there at the Upton Park, and uh, you could really you could see it in his eyes how much it meant to him that they'd equalised, and it just it was it was great to see us just uh, stick it to him after that. It was pure magic. Um, yeah. And the, the fact that there was, you know, obviously there was a massive sold out away end. It was in the middle of London. I mean, London away days are always just a little bit better, I think. So that probably helps. But yeah, that was easily, easily my favourite match of a decade, I think. Um, yeah. It was just a complete um, performance from everybody. I have some great memories of that day. I was actually late turning up to the game because of, London transport and we got there just before I think it was Carlton Cole scored and we were sort of turned to each other and said we should have stayed in the pub <laughs> kind of thing but um, yeah we pulled it back we were amazing after that point uh, after the first goal after we went behind we played really well no really it's just brilliant isn't it because having those two games so close together West Ham and Southampton just the momentum we had was just mad completely and utterly mad but go, I'm going to swing it back to the best moment because it's a you know more of a freestyle podcast this one one of the greatest moments was Jimmy Kebby pulling his socks up against West Ham because we're talking about West Ham and I just think <laughs> that wound them up so much Joe Collison did one of the most crazy tackles you could ever see that was just sheer anger oh, it wasn't it wasn't even a tackle was it it was no, just, it was, it was just trying assault. to kick it was just it was just him trying to kick Kebby that was all it was yeah if you're, if you're talking amazing. about non non-footballing best moments. What about the pitch invader that was doing flips in the penalty oh, area? Bradford um, game. Cool <laughs> yeah. final, you mean. Yeah. <laughs> and then the NBA okay. announcer puts on their music. It's crazy. Yeah, that's probably the first time I've sung on the podcast in any way or form, and maybe I should restrict that. <laughs> but I the think best this is my match- favourite. Favourite moment of the decade is Paul singing on the podcast. <laughs> wow. No, that's a low point for everyone else. <laughs> me, the best match. I'm going to throw in a different one because obviously we've had Southampton. We've talked about that. West Ham as well. I'm going to put in West Brom at home because that was such a weird match in the Premier League. That was a game when we were 2-0 down. Uh, Lukaku really should have had about four or five goals that day. He was unplayable. We couldn't get near him. We could have easily yeah. been out of that match, dead. And then along comes Jimmy Cobain, slots one in at the back post, 2-1, and you're thinking, oh, it's unlikely, isn't it? Nothing's going to happen here. Okay, then we get a penalty, Adam LaFrondra scores it. But then just to top it off, we get the moment when Pavel Progrebnia finds his feet and his brain, and connect, they connect together, and all of a sudden he turns into a striker can actually play football. Just for one moment... He's worth that money, but never again. Just yeah. the whole eruption of the stadium. And then Alex Pierce with a flag in the corner, flying it around. <laughs> it's totally crazy. I mean, yeah. West Brom hate us. We always Absolutely crazy match. I remember I remember going to West Brom away that, that season and Lukaku scored, I think it was a 1-0 defeat. And just the fact that they had Lukaku, like thinking back now, like he, he, he was unplayable that season. 
Um, and yeah, that, that game was crazy. And, and luckily, Pogrebniak managed to, to actually score a, a decent goal where he looked like a professional footballer. Um, took his shirt off and he was paler than the, the white on the Reading kit. <laughs> Good memories. That was one of, the, uh, one of the few games as well that Daniel Caruso played for Reading as well. Mm. Ended up... Uh, ended up winning the I think it was the Europa League for Seville three times or two times in the last couple of years. Three times, yeah. yeah. And it's, I think he was a captain. Three times. He was a cap he was a captain too at one point. Um really good player. Yeah. That's Absolute so Reading legend. Sign a quality player and they never play him. And of course in another in another weird twist of that being one of the best matches of a decade is that of course the manager that day for West Brom was Steve Clark. Mm. Yes. What was it? Three oh, years God. later, was uh, in charge of Reading. So yeah. everything links together. It's all a beautiful world that we live in, isn't it? It's all Reading FC in the end, isn't it? It's just one wonderful world. So we come to the bit that we all kind of secretly enjoy. In fact, not even secretly. I I love this bit. The worst signing of the decade. Now there has been a lot of contenders. There's some been some real just crap, hasn't there? absolute crap signings that we've made and i'm going to go first on this one because you may have noticed in the recording of this podcast there's a certain person who i'm not that keen on and he's russian and his name is pavel pogrebniak um the biggest waste of money despite the fact he scored that goal i think in our history cost us over eight million pound the man had a well, flat in knightsbridge that was played for he had he everything was, he was a clothing allowance, well, everything but- Sorry? It was a free transfer as well, which makes it even worse. Well, he wasn't free. He was free. Yeah, not in the long run, he wasn't free, certainly. Oh, it's no, I cannot. He could not play football. And there was games when he just didn't move. He just had of... no interest of moving. It's just like, this is your job. Just move a little bit. You're the highest paid player we've ever had. And you're just, you can't play football at a very high level. And you don't look asked. And... Quite incredible because when he played for Fulham before he signed for us, he actually went on a scoring run and he looked like a really decent Premier League player. And then we yeah. signed him. And yeah, bar the West Brom goal, he didn't do a lot of good. And I think just from between him and Anton Zingarovic, I think Reading should stay away from Russians for all eternity. Oh God, Anton Zingarovic. No. One of my uh, one of my abiding memories of uh, Pavel Pogrebniak, who I actually picked for my fantasy football team that season at the start of the season. Um, <laughs> He scored in the second game, so I was like, I was justified, and after that, I took him out. Yeah. Um, but one of my abiding memories of, of Pogrebniak is not the season when we were in the Premier League, but the season after, um, when we were back in the Championship and, and trying to make the playoffs under Atkins. And about two months into the season, we had an away game at Bournemouth, and we got absolutely battered 3-0. Yeah, I went uh, to that. Yep, and Pag- Pogrebniak came on for the last... 15 minutes or 20 minutes, I think it was. And I genuinely think, I, I mean, I was stood in the stand and I think I must have moved around more than he did in that last 15 or 20 minutes. I think he he maybe stopped two or three times to pull, pull his socks up, uh, had a little wonder round, and that was pretty much it. That was all his contribution. I don't think he touched the ball for 20 minutes. Even at 3-0 down, it was an impressively lazy performance. Um and yeah, I think it, what was I don't know what his wages were in the end. It was what sixty thousand a week or something. The rumor was, but could the guy was quite easily one of the biggest wastes of money this club has ever seen. 
Yeah, yeah, he's got to be, hasn't he? He's got to be up there. But, you know, people will decide whether he's a good footballer or not. But your worst signing, then, Alex, who would you put? Give that lovely honour of the decade. Uh, my worst signing is a player that we tried to still avoid talking about, despite the fact he's still in the club. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Luco. I'm oh. sorry, but if you get if your if your uh, transfer fee is whatever it was six million six and a half I can't remember how much we paid for him it was too much money though. Um, you should be able to do more than you are, are you know more than he managed to produce for us. The amount of games where you just thought, what have we paid for here for a Maluco was just so disappointing. Um, especially because obviously we'd had the playoff final the season before and he was meant to be kind of the, the marquee signing of that summer. And he came in and you watched him play and you just thought, yeah, this guy's not really much better than what we've already got here. Despite the fact that he tore us to shreds when he played for Fulham, but um, well, I think he tore. We played Fulham four times that season. Or was it four and a half because of that abandoned game? Yeah, and I think probably in two or three of those games he completely ran the show, and and just tore us to bits. I remember the away game at Fulham when we yeah, lost uh, five five nil or five one, and he he completely ripped uh, he ripped us to shreds on the right wing, and just. Completely, we we were we couldn't stop him at all, and we signed him, and there was so much excitement. And the fact is, he came over and just after what was it, maybe four or five months um, of him looking kind of like maybe he looks okay, but he needs some time to settle. You began to realise that he's not going to settle at Reading, and he's just not really going to perform for us. And obviously. That second half of the season, when Stan was kind of on the downhill towards getting sacked, he just was practically, you know, worthless. He was a passenger most games. Um, and there's not that many positive moments to pick out from Aluko's career at Reading. It, it, I mean, maybe maybe Boehm will come back and, you know, drop him back into the side and we'll see a changed player, but I would be very surprised. So, the, yeah, the only positive I can really remember him picking out from how many years has he been at Reading now? Three, I think it is, is the goal against QPR and under um, Clement in Clement's first game. And it was what, a 30 yard screamer with his left foot. Um, I mean, if we managed to get any money back for Luco from anybody signing him, then I think that's got to be a uh, considered probably a win at this point. Definitely. Um, Eric, who would you say is your worst signing of the decade? I think Aluko and Pogrebniak. No, I have a I have a third candidate, um, and it, it, it falls also. He falls sort of falls in between the complete waste of money and like Aluko, just a little bit lazy and didn't apply himself, but to an extreme level. And it's our favourite Dutch superstar winger from Real Madrid, Royston Drenthe. What a terrible signing. He turned up. I mean, there's been talks afterwards of him taking all his friends and family down to the canteen to be fed. He was more interested in social media, wasn't he? Um, there's a reason, you know, he was let go at Real Madrid and then spiralled out of control, ended up in Russia. We took a gamble on it. It was a really bad gamble. He was awful. Um, he showed maybe five minutes worth of real quality 
in the whole time that he was at Reading. And yeah, he was more interested in playing FIFA, being on social media. He was really expensive in wages and look what's happened since, you know. Um, what a waste of time. And he also punched out Alex Pierce as well, <laughs> didn't we? Hear the story from Adam LaFonda which, recently. Which actually suggests that he's also a little bit crazy. Because why would you pick a fight with Alex Pierce? Yeah. Of all the people in that squad, Alex Pierce is not the player I would have been picking a fight with. No, 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 that is, no, that is not a, wow. Yeah, I mean, that says a lot about him, though, doesn't it, like you say? Yeah. It was there a, is a number really, of players that we could have mentioned here, for sure. It's a hell of a lot. I'm not going to go through them because otherwise we'll be here all week. But, um, but Zach Knight? Brilliant. <laughs> Interestingly, <laughs> I just Knight. clicked onto Royce and Dremfer's Wikipedia. And after he was, after he retired a couple of years ago, he started beginning to record music under the name Roya Two Faces. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Which that is, um, that is one way to really kind of like, you know, uh, cement, your, uh, cement your retirement, isn't it? To, to start recording just, as a, what I'm presuming as a rap career. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. He did some of that when yeah, he was at well. Other signings, you could have Marcus Williams. He was absolutely atrocious. I mean, yeah. David Myler recently. If we're going through more atrocious. signings, then I'm going to have to throw Danny Guthrie in there. Yeah, Danny yeah. another attitude one as well. One, wasn't of it? The, one of the most just self-centered guys I think that ever could have signed for Reading, uh, and was meant to be our midfield savior that season once we'd been promoted, and ended up refusing to play football for us. Was it alleged? I mean, I'm going to definitely use the word alleged here. That at his wedding, the police had to come because there was a massive fight. You <laughs> know. I don't think that was alleged. I seem to remember reading that report as well. Yeah, uh, I'm being careful around that one. But there's did he so uh, many did he try and fight Alex Pierce or something? Probably. <laughs> 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 I'm just going back to Drenthe. Like Drenthe was an interesting one. You you remember the the under 21s when he really broke through and played for for the Netherlands. Him and Ryan Babel. I think Babel went to Liverpool. Drenthe went to Real Madrid. You're thinking this guy is an absolute well beater, and then to fall so far that. He was just a complete waste of time in the championship. Um, and it's now a rapper. I mean, absolute unbelievable story. It's like the opposite story to Jamie Vardy, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is a total opposite. And total opposite attitude. Yeah. yeah. Right. He actually but... did. The thing is, before he came to Reading, he was obviously with Everton as well in the Premier League. And I don't think he was terrible for Everton in the Premier League. Because yeah, the thing about Royce yeah, but the thing is about Drenthe, he's actually very, he was very, very technically talented. One of the most technically talented players we had, but also had one of the worst attitudes by a mile. So he had the ability still, but there were so many other things going on in his life that were far more important. He had a whole bunch of hangers on around him, didn't he? It was kind of got beyond the point of being, he was just a money machine for those people. It was a very strange yeah. situation. Yeah. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm just then, thinking about the worst signings. There has been so many. Some of the goalies we've signed and uh, some of the defence. Oh, just, oh, just so depressing how much money we've wasted on people. Well, you, kind of like, you, you mentioned one a minute ago, David Myler. You can also throw Dave Edwards into that, potentially. Yeah. Like, it, it's just well, one thing about Dave Edwards, of... his attitude was spot on. It wasn't that he oh, was he, a bad attitude at all. No. I think he was, he was, his attitude was fantastic, but I just yeah. think he got to a point in his career where the championship might have been a slight level too high. And also, he didn't yeah. play in a very good team. 
So, but you would say from our point of view, it was a complete waste of money. You know, he was completely unusable. Same as David Myler. Fair enough, he had the injury and he had to retire. But even before that, he didn't look very good. Nothing tops Bongani Kamalo. The man was an absolute <laughs> genius. <laughs> Bongani Kamalo. The man he who gave like, us all hope. He looked like he'd won a competition off the back of a cereal packet to play for football, didn't he? he was just... I swear that was a tax dodge by Tottenham. I'm not even going to put a legend on that. <laughs> that <must laughs> I'm not even sure how, how Tottenham managed to end up with a player like Bongani Kamalo in all honesty. Like, was really, Larry Redknapp their manager at the time? Must have been. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Yeah. And just Absolute really tax dodge. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think his dog opened his account as well. I think that if we were going to have a thing about... I've seen a few polls recently about having the best player at Reading FC. We, there's no point even discussing that in this decade. It's Gilfie Sigerson. Nobody can come near him, can he, really? He's clearly the most technically gifted player. Do you both agree on that? Yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious i think yeah yeah i don't know i, I, I don't know bongani kamalo is pretty close close <laughs> <laughs> second place yeah. it's all about bongani isn't it i think yeah. yeah i think it's in terms of technical ability and i think in terms of impact a, a really underrated one is jason roberts i mean he really changed that side and took mm. us you know on that on that run it's unfortunate that he got injured at the start of the following season but when he signed for us he just looked a class above. He looked like he'd been playing in the Premiership for a number of years. Defenders couldn't touch him. You know, he was so strong. Um, yeah. And then you also have other candidates a bit sort of out there, like Jimmy Kebe, for example. Obviously a bit of a cult hero. What a player. <laughs> Joby Makinoff is one I would throw in there. Yeah. yeah. Great Joby captain. Mackinoff. Fantastic winger. And from all... From all regards, from everything that you hear about him, he just seems like a really like top bloke as well. Yeah, it's hard to top both of them. Jason Roberts, I think, just edges it because of the huge impact he had. But Joby Makinoff, he was here for years afterwards and nobody's got a bad word to say about Joby Makinoff at all. He's a complete there's, leader on the pitch. Yeah, when, off- you, when you're looking for best players, there's a lot of players in that promotion side, isn't it? And I think it's probably a product of where we've gone since. But that promotion team full of just really good players. Ian Hart, for example, signing. He's got to be the biggest bargain, hasn't he, Ian Hart, of this decade? Just because the one before and the four, the decade before, there's loads of bargains. But I have no idea. How is Ian Hart playing in a league below us as well when we signed him? Carlisle, yeah. No, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, he had a weird one. He went to he went to Spain. I think it was like Malaga or somewhere like that, or Levante. It was Levante, I think. Levante. He went and to he, Levante. Yeah. yeah, and he and then he started playing. He started playing centre half. So he was actually playing centre half for Carlisle, which was a bit of a strange one. Um, he came back, came to us, you know, fitted straight in at left back, and he was he was unbelievable. Like some of the goals he scored, some of the assists. We've talked about some of the moments. You know, the the Ledgerwood goal. It was an Ian Hart assist. Um, uh, the penalty at West Ham you know he was all over that promotion side and, and a lot of experience and yeah what a player you talk to any Leeds fan you know they absolutely love him because of what he did up there so definitely one of the candidates for biggest bargains of the of the decade Yep so it hasn't all been depressing in this decade admittedly in the last few years it hasn't been the greatest but we did win the championship we were in the Premier League it wasn't our finest ever Premier League season. But if you look over the whole history of Reading Football Club, actually, this has still been one of the most successful decades of our whole history. It does might not feel like it, but let's kind of 
try and put a little bit of a feel-good factor on it as we then proceed to go out and lose the next 10 games, 5-0. So thank you for listening. And uh, as always, you can follow us on uh, IG and Facebook now. And uh, we'll be back with the more regular podcast soon. Cheers.